The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome back to episode 159 of The Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. Thank you so much for checking back in with us. Uh, as you know, if you've listened for a while, last week was our first week back after uh, four months off, and I had mentioned to my wife, gee, I wonder if we still have listeners out there, and uh, thank you so much to all of you. Clearly, we we really didn't lose anybody. In fact, our numbers were bigger uh, this past week than they had been, and we're just so grateful for that, grateful for all of you, so Thank you again. A couple of items of housekeeping before this week's episode. First of all, I just want to remind you about our sister podcast, Sharing Time. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Ken Craig and I, Ken is such a good man, such a funny guy. We sit down, we come up with a topic, we get on Facebook Live, and uh, we record it, and then we release it as a podcast. Uh, If you want to join us, just search for Sharing Time on Facebook. Sharing Time Podcast is the easiest way to find it on Facebook, and then it'll notify you when we go live, and you can jump in and we'll read your comments. It's it's a whole lot of fun. I also want to thank our reviewers, and this week on just on Apple Podcasts, we had six new uh, five-star reviews. So appreciate it. Uh, I'll be reading just your usernames. Uh, they are uh, 30 All Right, Julie Pierce, Leisure Lane, K Marino 5, WC Shelton 23, and ARG 2894. And there's something very satisfying about saying ARG. So thank you all so much. I, re- I read all of these and I am so touched with your kind words and, and just very grateful. And it is really good to be back. And speaking of being back, we're back with a new conversation. My guest this week, Joey Massio is making such a difference in the lives of teens and young adults. He is a teen and young adult uh, life coach, but he's had a fascinating story as well, and his energy is so contagious, and he is so much fun. You are going to love this conversation. And coming up this week in my Latter-day Life, yay, I made it to level three. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today on the Latter-day Lives podcast, it is my pleasure to have a really exciting guest. He is a life coach for youth, and he's out there spreading good good news and good words all over the place. Joey Massio, welcome to the show. Awesome. I am so, so excited to be here. No, it's it's really great. We connected through Instagram, and I'm just going to, I'm going to mention it a couple times during the show. But you should be following Joey on Instagram because it is so fun what you put out there. You really make it fun. Uh, but you are a life coach for youth and you're doing a lot of other good work. So we're going to talk about all of that. But first of all, and I will tell our listeners, we've never met before. This is actually the first time we've even talked. So I yeah. I know a couple things about you I'm excited to talk about, but let's hear about your life. Tell us little bit about uh, where you're from and and your life growing up. Yeah, of course. So um, I was uh, born and raised in Orange County, California, and um, I absolutely love, love, love Southern California. Um, I was raised in the church. My dad uh, was a convert. Uh, He joined and uh, lived the life being raised in the church. I would say the typical life, aside from the fact that my parents have been married and divorced to each other three times. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We're not going to go past that. Your parents have been married and divorced three times. Yes, yeah. So if you count the temple marriage, they've been married four times. Uh, but so it was, they got married a year later, got sealed in the temple, and then 14 years later, got divorced. Two years later, got remarried. Four years later, got divorced. And then four years after that, got got remarried. They're currently remarried and uh, very happily Um and yeah, so that was fun. That was all through my my teenage years. <laughs> Joey, that is so wild. I've never even heard of that. 
No, I know. It's always my fun fact that I, I bring up at parties. Yes. How, how did that affect you? So the first, the first divorce you were for, you were, no, how old were you? Uh, I was like 11 and a half. Wow. And so, so that's a lot. I mean, divorce is a lot on a kid on any kid, but then 13, they got remarried. Yeah. Then 13 got remarried. It was funny. Cause we were like, uh, uh, woohoo. Yeah, this is awesome. This is amazing. And then it was actually, I think I said it wrong in my summary, but it was 18 months later. It was very short time later. They got divorced again and they told, Hey guys, we're going to get divorced again. And we were all like, Oh, good. Yeah. Cause you guys are miserable, you know? <laughs> And then they were divorced all throughout my high school years. And then they got remarried my senior year of high school. <laughs> Joey, that is so wild. So do they keep a divorce attorney on retainer? Is that, is that <laughs> kind much, of their yeah. thing? Oh yeah. my gosh. That's wild. How many siblings do you have? Uh, so there's four of us. So there's my sister, my brother, me, and my younger brother. That's just awesome. So what were you into uh, when you were growing up? What was your thing? Oh, you know what? Um, my thing was, was performance. It was theater. And uh, I, I tried all the sports. I was like, I'm going to be in football. And I did the, the summer before high school football training. And I hated every minute of it. And I quit before <laughs> the season even started. Um, and then I was like, you know, I'm going to go into wrestling. And these were all things my older brother was doing. So I was just, whatever he did, I'll do. And then I went into wrestling. And I'm like, oh, I also hate this. You know, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, well, let me try theater which my older brother went into. And then I absolutely loved it. Absolutely mm. loved it. Did really, really well. Um, went straight from like the beginning theater class to the next year, went to the highest level theater awesome. class. And I, that's where I found myself was theater. Yeah. Are you a musical theater person too, or just acting? Oh, I wish, I wish I could sing. <laughs> I, I love to sing, but I really, really shouldn't sing. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, you and me both, except for the love to sing part. I don't <laughs> love to sing it and I shouldn't sing. I wish I could sing, but yeah. I can't sing. So, so you're doing theater, you're going through this amazing thing with your, with your mom and dad, which again, I've never heard of anything like that. Uh, you finish up your teenage years. What came next? So um, all my friends were like, Hey, like we're going to, to college. We're going to Chapman university. And are you, I mean, are you familiar with Chapman? It's in Orange yeah, County. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's a fairly expensive private school mm -hmm. and has a really, really great theater program. And I'm like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. You know, like my parents, fantastic individuals, uh, never went to, to a four-year university. Right. Um, and so I didn't even know what BYU was at the time. And it was so funny. So, cause I, I get into Chapman university, I'm feeling good about myself. I'm sitting in seminary, uh, senior year. And my seminary teacher was like, Hey, so everybody let's share where y'all going. I'm like, I'm sitting there. Okay. And they're like, uh, little around the room, BYU, 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 Idaho, BYU, Hawaii, BYU, BYU. And I'm like, what's BYU? <laughs> You know, and again, I'm raised in the church, an active member of the church, right? But my parents are from California, never really went to college. My dad's a convert. And so they get to me and I'm like, well, I'm going to Chapman University. That's a real school. You know, <laughs> I didn't say that, but I thought that, you know, and I was like, what in the world? And so I go to Chapman University, a great, great school. Um, I wish I would have known what, what BYU was. I wish I would have went to BYU because this yeah. is what happened. <laughs> I went to Chapman University for six months, served a mission, right? I went to Canada, um, came back and then did another six months and then left because Chapman University is a Disciples of Christ school, but the theater department, you can't really find Christ anywhere, right? And, and like in most theater departments, right? They're very, very like, I was going to say very common of of theater departments, yeah, right? Yeah, very like, wonderful people loved in the best acting training I've ever received. Um, but I had this moment that was, it was a defining moment of my life, right? So I'm a return missionary going back and um, at, at Chapman, you know, again, most theater departments, they're like the, the things they're acting, the, the scenes they're picking, their plays they're doing, they like to push the boundaries. So I would always be handed scripts that they're like, okay, Hey, here's a script. I'm like, okay, I can't say that. I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that. I don't really want to do this. So, um, they were doing a play and I believe it was called the robber, the robber's bridegroom. 
It's kind of like a, a musical mm. riff off of Robin Hood. And um, they were going to do that second semester. And this is my first semester. And I looked, I read the script and it was, it was not something I wanted to be in uh, just based off of how, what I believe and everything. I'm like, you know what? That's right. I don't really feel comfortable. The Dean of the theater program, uh, theater department, he came up to me and said, Hey, Joey, I notice your name is not on the audition roster. Mm. Why, why are you not auditioning? Uh, but like, I, I want you in this, by the way, you have to, in order to maintain your status in this. And I said, and then we were like out walking like just somewhere. He saw me and ran up to me. And I said, you know what? I, I actually am not going to be coming to school here next semester. And he's like, wait, what? Come to my office right now. Uh, okay. So I go to his office. I sit down. He's like, so tell me, tell me what, um, why, what's going on? And I didn't want to tell him the real, real reason. And I was like, well, you know what? It's really, really expensive. I, I got a small scholarship. It was about $35,000 a year at the time. And I was like, you know what? Like, I, it's really expensive and I don't want to be that much in debt and all that. And he goes, you know what, Joey? Every Once every four years, I'm able to waive tuition for a student I think is very, very talented. Um, I would like to waive tuition for you. Wow. And yeah. And that's what I said in my head. I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, and I'm like, thank, wow. Thank you very, very much. Um, there's this other thing. And I felt I had to bring it up. So I said, of course. Um, I, I don't really kind of uh, agree with the uh, subject matter in, in most of what is done here at, at school. Um, and instantly his demeanor changed. His demeanor went from like, oh my goodness, I want you to like this. And he's like, oh yeah, okay. And I was like, and I assumed that if you did that, I would have to be in everything. He's like, well, yeah, I would be picking things specifically for you, right? I, I would pick plays that we were doing for you. And I'm like, wow, yeah. So I, I, we talked about it and he's like, yeah, you should probably go to a school that does safer plays. And then I left. And wow, Joey, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So that was, and, and for many years after that, right. Cause nobody told me, by the way, I couldn't just leave a four-year university after one year and go to another four-year university, right? Like you have to transfer, you have to have enough credits to transfer. And I was like, wait, what? Like they let me in, just pretend like I never went, right? Like, why can't I just go into a, one of these other schools, you know? Um, and like, well, no, no, you, you have to build up credits. And I'm like, what? So I spent the next like uh, several years uh, just doing the, uh, the community college thing, uh, waiting tables, working at Disneyland as a performer and doing things like that until I had enough credits to eventually transfer, um, finish my degree in creative writing. Uh, but yeah, I, I look back during that time and be like, did I make a mistake? I don't know. Like, did I have to do that? No, and, you did the right thing. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Now I look back and I'm like, yes, definitely. But during that time of wandering, I, I yeah. really wondered. You, you got to have those nights where you're laying in bed going, I had a full ride to Chapman. And for our listeners who don't know Chapman, it's a very prestigious school. As you mentioned, private school, Orange County, a lot of uh, kids of very wealthy families go to Chapman and to get a, to get like your, all of your tuition waived. That's Joe. I've never even heard of that. Um, you quickly touched on something that we are going to talk about. <laughs> uh, and that is that my audience knows one of my passions. Um, we had on before uh, a, a wonderful uh, Becky Proudfit who explained to us that when you are at Disneyland and you see a character walking around, that is the actual character that it's not a person being the character. However, that they have friends instead <laughs> of, saying this is the person who plays the character it's uh you refer to that as their friend you yep. got to be the friend to two characters first of all how long ago was this so this was uh 2002 uh to about 2009 wow so you were at disneyland tell us how you came to be a friend of two characters and then we'll talk about who they are <laughs> so uh my end of my senior year right i'm all into performance and i'm like i want to just work like i just want to perform that's all i want to do what and school were you going to at this time brayo linda high school awesome yeah and um i heard oh well, well this was at the end of your high school time not at the end of your college correct this is the end of my got high it. school so i'm a senior in high school got it okay cool 
And I'm like, yes, I want to work at Disneyland as a, a, a performer. So they're having auditions and me, I grabbed two of my friends. We went down, we auditioned and I'm like, I want to be an actor. Right. And, um, and so I was auditioning to be a friend of one of my favorite characters, uh, the Mad Hatter. Mm-hmm. And um, I audition. I make it all the way to the end of the audition, like second day. And these auditions, man, are rigorous. These are rigorous. Literally the first part of the audition. I don't know if you've ever heard of this process before. Becky explained a little bit. Becky was a friend of Cinderella. Okay, nice. Yeah. The, the first part is you literally stand there in front of a panel that are all sitting at a table, like 10 of them, and you just smile and they just look at you, right? Wow. And then I got everybody turn left, turn right, and they're literally just judging to see if your, you know, face resembles, a, you know, certain um, you know, people from movies and whatnot. And um, so you're literally just sitting there, right? So I go through, it's mostly women, right? Um, and then there's a couple of dudes, but I'm the only one who make it all the way back. So they're all looking to see if you look like the Mad Hatter. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, you got to look like a cartoon character. I mean, this is one of the this is one of the kind of weird ones where it's you're a live person looking like a cartoon character, and unlike Alice or Cinderella or whatever, the Mad Hatter is quite exaggerated. He's not a a, you know he's not a normal like Pocahontas would look much like a normal person. Mad Hatter's a little exaggerated. Oh yeah. That is- and that worked out for my favor because I'm kind of an exaggerated person and my facial features are kind of exaggerated. And <laughs> so, so I make it all the way to the end and they're like, call back, start tomorrow, come back. And I go back on the, like, I'm like, oh, this is, I'm the only person called back. I walk into the room and there's this other gentleman sitting there and he's like knitting, crocheting <clears throat> and people, the people running the auditions walk in and they, oh, and they see him, Daniel, what's up? And they give him hugs. And, and I'm like, wait, who's this guy? And they're like, oh yeah, he also got a call back. I'm like, from what? I didn't see him yesterday. Um, and he, he had already worked at Disneyland and he did different, uh, um, a different audition. So we both went head to head. He was absolutely amazing. And me by comparison was not so much as amazing. So he got the role. I didn't. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. But they're like, Hey, look, you know, and then like, there's other jobs you can have. So I got a different job where I was literally, I was a host for a few months. Then they did auditions again. And then I was the one who was the second per- who was in the room the second day mm. knew. And then I nailed the audition and then I got to be the friend of the Mad Hatter and it was funnest job ever. So can, can, all right. So a little, a little bit of background, uh, word on the main street podcast, which is good friends of ours, uh, Sean and Brian Lords. We have talked about our favorite walk around characters. Mm. And if it's a face character, uh, which which you were, mm-hmm. you get to actually talk to the people. And I said that my two favorites to, to meet at Disneyland are Cruella DeVille. Oh, amazing. And the Mad Hatter. And we've had some hilarious experiences, which it could have even been with you. Maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> as, as we've talked to the Mad Hatter, I'm going to put you on the spot. Is it possible for you to do a minute of Mad Hatter? And if not, I'll edit this whole thing out. No. Y- yes. I get asked that all the time by my students and all the other stuff and whatnot. Uh, yes, I definitely will. With a disclaimer that I lost my voice this week, which is why I'm nursing a warm water or a warm bottle of um, honey water right now. Uh, but yes, but what I tell people, you have to ask the Mad Hatter a question. Yes. If you want the Mad Hatter to come out. I assume the question that you got asked the most, if you weren't, I've seen the Mad Hatter with Alice most of the time, but uh, all right. So here's, here's one thing I assume you got asked a lot. Hey, Mad Hatter, what time is the tea party? Oh, no, yeah, tea? Oh, yeah. Did you bring it? Yeah. You know what my favorite kind of tea is? It, it's empty. You say, get it? No, wait, no, that's empty. <laughs> that's the worst kind of tea there is. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Joey, that was amazing. I feel like I'm sitting with the Mad Hatter. That was incredible. Thank you. Thank uh. you. That I was could, literally over a decade ago. So. Well, I that was spot on. You nailed it, and I we could talk for hours. How did you become? Before we move on for this, and sorry, you probably we didn't sign you up to talk about this stuff at all. But I'm so fascinated. Oh, fine. <laughs> so you're a friend of the Mad Hatter, and then on the full opposite spectrum, you somehow become a friend of Darth Maul. How did that happen? Well, I was just working at Disneyland at the time, and um. 
and I, they were having auditions. And I remember the first time, like th- this was when the Jedi training Academy was just opening up it's yeah. like show in Tomorrowland on the rising stage. And I'm like, yeah. <gasps> yes, that'd be awesome. And the first audition I didn't go to, cause I'm like, wait, you have to bick your head bald. Nah, I don't want to do that. So I didn't <laughs> go to it. And then, uh, you know, they launched the show and they, they hired three, um, um, Darth Mauls and all that. And then they it's doing very well. So they have more auditions and I'm like, you know what? Fine. I'll go and I'll do it. And again, it, it was just my, um, so I go to the audition and I'm used to the auditions at this point. And I just did very, very well. They even gave us bow, a bow staff. Right. Mm. And during, and with no training, just had us kind of play around with a bow staff, right. The double bladed lightsaber. And I play around with it and they're like, dude, you nailed it. I'm like, oh my, what? I've had no training. I, the only training I had was my favorite Ninja Turtle growing up was Donatello. <laughs> that was about it. Love it. Yeah. And so um, I, I nailed the audition. My face resembles Ray Parks. Very, very mm. uh, like it, it, I can uh, see that. Yeah. It's very close. And um, so, and I was kind of short like him as well. So uh, I'm literally the audition because they don't have the rights to Darth Maul's uh, voice. And um, at the time, they didn't, they didn't have the rights. And they were like, it's only the face. So there's no speaking. But they literally just wanted you to menace. Just like, look, and like do a menacing face. And that's all the audition was, was walking around, doing that, like kind of being like, you know, like him. And it was, and so I nailed it. I got the role. Um, and that was, it was the best. Uh, both of those, I, I don't know which one's better, but Darth Maul was literally the best job uh, I think I've ever had. So when I'm at the parks and I see Darth Maul, Darth Vader, Kylo Ren, for whatever reason, it, I'm an almost 50 year old man. It terrifies me. Like it, it scares me. I go back to when I saw star Wars in the theaters in 1977 as a five-year-old terrified. Uh, what was the response you got from kids as, uh, as Darth Maul? Um, you know what? Yeah, just just that utter utter being terrified, right? And because so I'm in the show, right? And in fact, so here's the funny thing: is that um, as part of the training, after you got the role, they want you to practice uh, a walk around, right? And so, um, which you know, he's only in the show, right? So, but I, I had a moment of doing that, and um, some girl came up to me and hands me a flower, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh man, what would what would he do, right? So I just reached out and I just crushed it. Right? <sighs> and somebody recorded it. It's actually on YouTube. If you, if you uh, search uh, Darth Maul doesn't like flowers, that's me. Oh my gosh, Joey. That's so perfect that you were that in character. That is hilarious. All right. So again, we could spend the next five hours with me asking you questions about Disneyland, but let's move forward. Uh, so you finish up your time at Disneyland so you were you were kind of you cobbled together uh, being a waiter and working at Disneyland and sort of all these jobs. You graduate with a degree in creative writing. Did you know what you wanted to do with that degree? Yes, at that time I wanted to be a writer because I was like, man, being an actor is tough because people are writing the stuff and people are telling you what to say. And as I've done auditions and other things, I'm like, you know what? Again, with all back to my beliefs, right, my morals, I'm like, you know what? I got to be a writer. That's what it's mm. going to be. You know? Um, so I, I got my degree and I worked as an intern in Hollywood for almost two years. An intern in Hollywood means that I worked for free. Yeah. Um, just at somebody's desk. And it, it was a writer manager's desk. Um, I, I'm connecting phone calls of her and producers of famous shows and writers that were her clients and all this other stuff. So I did that for a while. Um, and then um, got uh, introduced I should say I met my, my wife mm. and my wife is, uh, I mean, went to BYU. Her dad's a professor at BYU. Uh, she's a food scientist. She has a job as a food scientist. She's utterly beautiful. I meet her and I'm like, Hey, I'm a writer, which means I'm a waiter, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, what up? You know? And like, and so, I, but her family was super nice. They loved me immediately. It was great. It was like seven years or wow, sorry, seven months, seven months uh, from when we met to when we got married. And um, literally, this is kind of another defining moment, less defining because it wasn't really a choice of mine. But um, uh, I get on the set of the the, uh, Nickelodeon TV show, The Thundermans, right? Just as part of me, you know, walking around or whatever. And then I get an interview to be a a production assistant, which is like, you get paid, but you're very, very, very low. Yeah. Totem pole. 
And I, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm rocking this, this interview, right? Because I'm like, this is perfect writing for a kid's TV show. You know, getting in, this is great. They love my, my Disney background as well. Laughing, laughing, laughing. And oh, it's so great, you know? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, oh yeah, and I'm getting married in three weeks. And she's like, oh, all right, hold on. You're fantastic, but sorry, we can't hire you. We need to own you. We need to own you starting like Monday. And you can't have any time off to get like for a wedding, to, to go on a honeymoon. I'm sorry, we can't have any of that. And, and then she just ended the, the, the interview, right? And she, she was super nice about it. And I was like, oh, 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 oh yeah, but, uh, all right, sure. I didn't, I didn't have the choice to like, honey, maybe we won't go on a honeymoon or maybe we won't do it. But it was just like, oh, all right. And then I left and I was like, man, okay. This is kind of like, uh, like but for me, I've always been driven by the fact I just wanted to be a dad and a husband above everything else. I wanted to be a dad and a husband. Right. So for me, that was just another one of the, the guiding posts along my path. I'm like, okay, you know what? Let me, let me go and kind of reevaluate. So we got married. My wife and I were like, yeah, let, let's have you be a, um, a, like try this writing thing for two years. And then after that, no, we'll do your second passion to go and be a teacher. Um, and it was only several months after that, where like, we're sitting there, me and my, 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 my wife, my, my new bride, we're doing our scripture study at night. She's falling asleep as I'm reading the scriptures. Very typical uh, of, you know, scripture study late at night, right before you go to bed. Of course. And um, as I'm reading, I stop and I have this impression. You need to go get your master's degree and become a teacher right now. And I'm like, hun, I, I think I need to go to school and get my master's degree. And that woke her right up, right? <laughs> She's like, yeah. what? 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 And we spent like an hour talking about it. I researched it. The program that would be best for me, uh, the deadline was two days later to submit. Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. And so I, I get in my deadline or I schedule to take this test I need to take. And I get in for literally like four months later, like the next, uh, like that fall. And so um, I was like, okay, boom. And within a year, I, I, uh, 18 months, I get my credential and my master's become a teacher, wow. get hired, get a job. My wife gets pregnant and we have a baby. And two weeks after my son is born, we find out he has cystic fibrosis. Oh my gosh. A lung disease. And we really, really, really need insurance. And now we have it. And it was wow. just like, it was few times in life. Can you look back and go, Oh, this prompting led to this. Yeah. Um, but uh, that was one of them. Joey, that is an amazing story. Um, I want to get into this leading you into youth coaching, but first of all, talk a little bit about your son and, and living with cystic fibrosis. Yeah. So he's five now. Um, he'll be six soon. Uh, he's very, very healthy and well for someone with cystic fibrosis meeting him. You couldn't even tell. Um, but he has hours of treatments. I mean, no less than 16 medications, right? Like the things that we have to do, um, with wow. him and yeah, it's just, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. And my wife, uh, she left the, the working field, you know, and she's at home and she, she's a homeschool mom and, and she's doing things, uh, you know, with him and, um, what the, the beauty about cystic fibrosis. And I kind of say that sarcastically is that this, this means both me and my wife are carriers and every one of our kids has a 25% chance of getting it. Um, so, uh, I have two daughters after my son, both of them do not have it. We are pregnant right now with wow. another son and my wife just did an amnio, uh, to find out, um, if, if he has it and we'll find out in the next couple of weeks, if my, if our last child, this is our last, if our last child will have cystic fibrosis as well. Joey, that is Joey. That's amazing. I mean, that's really, that's a lot I love. And this is what I love about this show is I get to hear stories of people. I, I, I kept seeing that you had a path set. I'm going to be an actor, a writer, a comedian, a whatever. I'm going to do all these things. And the Lord kept going, that's awesome. Keep doing those things, but I have a different plan for you. Yeah. But that's okay. Keep these these things. Uh, all of these things shall be for thy good, Joey. Uh, but I'm going to use your talents in a different way. It's just awesome. Um, so one last question before we get into uh, youth coaching, which I have so many questions about. You did a brief foray into uh, a world that I know well, which is stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. uh, you said that you had some interesting experiences doing that. Talk about that. 
Oh my goodness. It was just the worst. I did not enjoy a minute of it. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm a funny guy. I've done improv comedy. I've been trained at the Groundlings School of Improv Comedy. Wow, all. Groundlings. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. Super fun. It was it was just the not the entry level that anybody can go on, but it was just like the level you have to audition to get into. So I did that, and that was fun. I ran my own clean comedy um, uh, improv Sweet. group. We, we call ourselves May Contain Nuts, right? Awesome. So, but of course, improv comedy is way different than stand-up, right? So I, just in trying to do stand-up, it was maybe like six months. It was just the worst experience because driving all the way out to Hollywood from, from Orange County, uh, bringer shows, you know, right? In order yep. to perform, you got to bring friends. Well, all my friends live an hour away and they got to bring them in. They have to pay to get in. They have to do the two drink minimum. All my friends are LDS. My family's coming. They have to sit through <laughs> an hour of, of horrible... Horrible, horrible, unclean comedy. Horrible. Like, and not, not just unclean, like vile, disgusting. Yes. 100% yes. vile. My sister-in-law had to get up and walk out during somebody's of uh, course. Yeah, stand-up yeah. routine because it was just so, so bad. And then I go up and they, they promise you seven minutes after five minutes they are flashing the light at you, you know, and I'm like, uh, and it's just not the audience that for me. And I was like, oh, and I remember... Uh, I was an EFY counselor during this time. And I remember being a counselor at EFY and sitting there listening to one of the speakers at one of the things and everybody's laughing. He's being funny, but he's teaching like, just like truth and feeling good. And I remember distinctly getting the impression, who do you want your audience to be, Joey? Mm, yeah. And I was like, oh my goodness, not the people in Hollywood who are sitting there drinking, getting drunk and trying to, I'm trying to make them laugh. I'm like, who do you want your audience to be? And that's when I decided to stop. Uh, I, I was very fortunate in that my, I came up through Johnny B's comedy club in Provo, which oh, was zero alcohol and it was a clean comedy club. So even all of our big headliners that came from out of town had to be clean. So we had this great environment to come up in comedy, but, uh, but I've certainly been to clubs and have worked clubs that, uh, it's, yeah, it's brutal out there. It's not a good world. So so this, all of these things lead you up to being Joey Massio, life coach for teens. And maybe you're a life coach for other people. Like I said, we don't really know each other, but I was so impressed with all the things you share on Instagram to inspire teens. How did that all come about, Joey? Oh yeah. So first off, yes, I'm a life coach to teens and young adults. My, my niche is 15 to 25. And awesome. so half my clients are teens, half are college students. Um, but yeah, so that, that came about, so I became a teacher. I was a teacher for seven years, right? Um, uh, middle school, I, I did high school, middle school. And while I was a middle school teacher, I did, I did English. That was my credential, but I, I'm like, Hey, can, can I wedge in this drama class? And my principal's like, yeah, sure. Of course. And then I did that. And I started growing this program, which was great. But then I also volunteered to be the teacher that was in the on-campus suspension room. Um, cause to be honest, I was sick of grading papers, right? Love teaching <laughs> English and I love writing and all that, but I was sick of grading papers. And I'm like, there's this opening came up I'm like, yes, I would like to be the teacher in the discipline office. And my principal was like, I'm sorry, what now? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be the teacher <laughs> in the discipline office. When the kids get busted with weed or get kicked out of class or got in a fight, I want to see them. I want to be the one, you know, to talk with them. And she's like, all right, sure. So yeah, no, no one else is volunteering for that job. Yep. So, so I, I go in that room and I immediately just started loving the work. Um, just kind of coaching un, very unofficially, but just talking with them. And then at the same time, my wife was experiencing postpartum depression with our second. And she was going to therapy. And she's like, you know what? Therapy just isn't working for me. It's just they're not asking the right questions because they're like, oh, things with your past or, you know, past with your husband. She's like, no, like literally my family's great. My husband's great. I'm just not feeling myself right now. You know, like I, I and so she found Jody Moore. Now, have you ever heard of Jody Moore? I have not. I have not. Right. So if you are LDS and you are into life coaching, you know, Jody Moore. Jody mm. Moore is absolutely amazing. She is uh, like big, big in the LDS life coaching community. She's listening to my, my wife found her podcast and just like, Oh my goodness, this was great. You know? And she's telling me things about it. She's like, Oh, Jody said this on her podcast. And I'm like, babe, babe, I, I said that I, I told you <laughs> last week. I told you that. And you kind of like brushed it off. Right. And then I started listening and I'm like, Oh my goodness. That's how I think. I think exactly 
what Jody Moore is saying. And Jody Moore opened me up to this world that there is, there are this world of life coaching. And the only other thing I heard about life coaching was a buddy of mine in the YSA world was like, oh yeah, I'm moving across a country. I'm going to be a life coach. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, sure, buddy. Yeah, go do that. You know, whatever. That's not a real job. Um, but I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. What? Like Jody Moore is being successful at this and, and is able to make an income, a living doing this thing that she loves. And I'm like, I'm really interested. So I, I, I listened more to her, me and my wife go to, uh, her, she had a big event in, um, in Washington or a week long. We both go, my wife's like, can I go? I'm like, only if I can go too. And I, there's, there's, um, 50 people in attendance, two dudes, right? Wow. <laughs> and- All women. Yeah, all women, because I mean, life coaching right now is very, very like it's, it's women heavy, led by women. They're, they're all the leaders of the industry. And I meet Jody, I talk with her. It's great. And then like after that week, I'm like, you know what? I need to go be certified uh, through the life coach school. And so I went, I started it that, that year. It's, it's not cheap. It was just as expensive as my master's and way wow. more rigorous. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah. And so I, I, so I go to it. We literally cash out my, my wife's, um, uh, 401k, right? We take that, we pay so I can go. Um, and I do it. And then I, I just, I pick my, I, for me, my niche was easy. They said, all right, guys, I like, figure out what niche you want to do. I'm like, I'm going to work with teens hundred percent. I'm going to work with teens and young adults. And it was funny because several people and in my cohort, <clears throat> they break you up into, um, a cohort of 10 to get trained. Five of us are members of the church. Five. Wow. Yeah. Really? And, and our instructor was a member of the church, right? We didn't find out till later, but it's just, it's really, it's really growing in the church because a lot of the concepts fit perfectly with the gospel mm. and it, it just really makes a lot of sense, right? So anyway, I'm like, I'm going to be a, a team coach. That's what I'm going to be. Several other people that I, I kind of got certified with are like, yeah, yeah, team coaching. And then over the course of several months, they're like, ah, you know what? I'm going to pivot. I'm going to do something else instead because it, it was hard to figure out right? Like, how do you get to like teens? How do you do that? Right? Like, but like you said, every single thing that I've done in my life from being right. a performer, from all my training, from doing um, clean comedy improv, from being a teacher for seven years, from being in the discipline office, right? All of that led to where I am now, where this is my last year being a teacher. Um, I, I told my principal and she was both sad and happy. She's like, Joey, you, that's, that's your calling. You need to go out there and help those, all the kids that you possibly can. And, uh, this is my last year being, being a teacher. I'm, I'll be done in a couple months and I'm going to be a full-time life coach. Joey, what a leap of faith. I mean, that's, you know, you got uh, three kids, one on the way yep. and, uh, and, and dealing with some health issues with, with some kids as well. And, and Hey, I'm going to jump into this full time. You must really feel called to it. Um, when did you start doing the actual coaching? When did you When did you start with your first? Do you, do you call them clients, patients? Yeah. I don't know the right. We we had Connie Atkinson on, uh, who's a, a life coach, and so we we got to learn a little bit about it. And she she told us a little bit, but I don't know a lot about it. Yeah, yeah. So clients. Um, so my first one was um february uh 2019 so literally two years ago mm. um and so at the time i, I didn't have the, any certification yeah, that certification yet but all my other backgrounds are the same so i just kind of we just jumped into it right so started doing that and um that was uh yeah two years ago um and so i've been doing it now for two years and it, it's been a, a fun fun journey and it's been absolutely great and so now uh and th- so this is what life coaching looks like so life coaching is not therapy yeah but therapy and the best way I heard it, heard it described is this, if this was baseline, right? A line here is baseline. If you feel like you are below baseline, not eating right, not feeling right. Most like most of the time, not just being able to function, right. That's where therapy lives, right. Is below baseline. But if you're like at baseline, like, no, like, like things are great. I, I'm act, like, I'm able to function normally. I just wish this area was better or mm. I wish I could accomplish these goals more. Or, you know, I really want, I really have this dream or the career choice and I need help getting myself out of my own way so I can accomplish it. That's where life coaching lives. Got it. So you're, you're helping teens to 25 teens and young adults better their lives. It's not about pulling them out of a rut. It's about getting them to that next level. So, so a little bit of talk a little bit about what, like if I, if I were to sign up, I've, I've got a 
17 year old, 18 year old, whatever that uh, I'm like, Hey, they could be doing more. They just need a little bit of guidance. The last person on the planet they want to listen to is mom and dad. Uh, but here I've got Joey, who's a lot of fun. I sign up. Like, kind of, how does it work for you? Yeah. So what happens is they uh, they book uh, what's just a free work coaching workshop. It's a thirty minute sit down. Me, the team, the parent. Right. We sit down and I introduce myself. Get to meet the team. I make sure that the team wants coaching. That's my first check. I don't coach teens who do not want to be coached. Mm. And that took me a while to figure out my wording because I'd have parents, you know, bringing teens against their will. And I'm like, yeah, that's not what I do. That's not what I do. And I tell the team immediately, I become, I work for you. Your parents are paying me, but I work for you. We I only coach you on what you want. Right. And the parents, you know, maybe that overlaps with what mom and dad want, but, um, I work for you. So I figure that out. If they're like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I want this. I want some coaching or you know what? I'm curious enough to figure out if this can help me. Mm. Then I explain what coaching is. I send mom and dad away. I coach the team for like 10 minutes, try to give them something really valuable right then and there that whether they hire me or not, doesn't matter. Like they can, they go back into their life with more clarity. And then I, I say, bye, let me know if, if you want to, more of this. And then you can just hire me to be your, your life coach. And so then after that, um, I have a couple different ways that teams work with me right now. My one-on-one coaching I'm booked for the next two months. Um, and so, wow. yeah. And that was something that started happening maybe like seven months ago. Um, I just, I just started getting more and more clients and I love it. It's great. You know, I, I get to work with people, but I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, yes, you want to work with me? Wonderful. You can't work with me until, uh, you know, May, you know, and I'm like, Oh dude, and you know, that's, that's not what I wanted to say. So I'm like, I need a way to reach teens, right, in in more of a group format. So I started what I call uh, the teen leadership class, which is essentially, it's not being like an entrepreneur or ASB president, but it's, it's teaching teens how to lead their life mm. rather than be led by your life. Because when I Smart. coach teens... Yeah. When I coach teens, that's mostly what it is. Oh my goodness. I I got so much homework. I can't do it. Or my like, ah, my my friends, I I, I want more friends or I want different friends. And I just can't, I feel where college is going to be stressful. I don't know what what to do. I don't know where to go. They're just being pushed around by every wind of their circumstance. Right. And instead the the tools that I, I teach them show them how to grab their life and lead it where they want to go confidently, mm-hmm. uh, and in a way that, um, that helps them reach all their goals and dreams. So is that a live group meeting then? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a live group right now. Each class has no more than five teens. I I'm separating them in age groups, right? So older teens, younger teens, cause there's a big gap right, right. between a 14 year old and a 16 year old. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's it's me and and the, the small group of five. It's a live class. I work with them. I teach them a concept. I do some coaching. I give them a challenge for the week, right? To go out and do something, right? That maybe outside of their comfort zone, or or you know, to to follow a schedule that they set for themselves. And it's um it's it's a whole lot of fun. Oh, this just sounds so awesome. Um, if people are excited now and want to find out more about working with you, what's the best place for them to find you? Uh, so you can find me a couple of different places. First, uh, my website, number one place, if you want immediate information right now. Uh, so the company that I started is called Firmly Founded. So firmlyfounded.com slash Joey. Uh, it's me mm. and, and there's three other LDS certified life coaches that I work with. Um, and we there's lots of different ways um, to introduce your team to coaching. Awesome. And yeah. And so go there. You'll be able to find out how to, how to get in my team leadership class. Um, you'll also f- find out our uh, coaching membership, which is the firmly founded team, where your team gets access to all four life coaches. And we have fun events. Uh, there's prizes, giveaways, and instructional videos that help teens learn these powerful concepts. Um, I also, like you said, I have an Instagram account, um, which is, uh, it's the longest name ever, but I wanted to get in all this. It's, it's at Joey underscore firmly founded coaching, right? So they can follow me there. And then I also have a podcast that is specifically for young adults and Mm. it's called secrets for an awesome life. And I keep each episode about 15 minutes long. Uh, It starts with a story, a parable or some other kind of like object lesson that I add in humor. And then I, I talk about one secret that can help you make your life more awesome. What is the, uh, what is the recommended age for that podcast? 
You know what? Uh, yeah. So it's, it's definitely 15 to 25. That's what I'm talking to. Okay. Uh, I've had, I've had parents being like, Oh my goodness, my 12 year old loves it. You mm. know? And I'm like, wonderful. And then I have parents be like, Oh my goodness, I love it. And I'm like, wonderful. Right. Like, awesome. Me, yeah. For me, it's like, you know, I, that's why I talk to, but it's really good for, for a, a, the whole gamut. <laughs> Joey, this is so inspiring. I love, and, and, you know, I think that the youth, there's so many youth who need this, you know, who can get their lives better. I think we tend to think of either, hey, what they're getting at home and church and school and everything else is enough or they need help. We run to therapy. But to take kids to that next level and to show them their potential, I think, is just awesome. This has been such a fun conversation. We are going to wrap it up uh, with the question that we ask all of our guests, which is, uh, Joey, what does being a member of the church mean to you? Hmm. Uh, for me, being a member of the church uh, is woven into every fiber of my being. And that's something that I had a bishop say to me um, when I, I, I was contemplating a choice I needed to make. He said, look, Joey, I know you. The church is woven into every part of who you are. And just make a decision based off of that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I was able to go forward. And um, yeah, so for me, it, it's just a part of who I am. Awesome. He is a husband. He is a father. He is a youth coach. He's a teacher for a couple more months. <laughs> he is somewhat the Mad Hatter and Darth Maul. And he is an all around good guy. Joey Massio, thank you so much for sharing your latter day life with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you very much for having me on. special thanks to my guest Joey Nasio. I had so much fun recording with him, not the least part of which was getting to hear the Mad Hatter. That was a real thrill with what a Disneyland fan I am. But uh, even more so, I'm just a generally a Joey Nasio fan. He is doing such great work and it was so fun to sit down with him. Joey, thank you so much. Uh, this week in my Latter-day Life, uh, we went to a wedding reception and yes, it was in person. Now, it was all very safe and distanced and masks and everything else, but it was so wonderful to go. And there were so many people from our ward. And the young man who got married was actually one of my son's best friends uh, throughout high school. So much so, in fact, that one year I took my son to Universal Studios for his birthday. I took this young man, Mason, who got married this week with us. And uh, we spent a few days down in L.A. together. He's just a, a tremendous young man, and it was so fun to see him getting married. And as we were, were standing there, uh, just kind of soaking in everything and saying hi to friends and ward members, I thought about how interesting it is that I've known this young man for so very long and how he's moving into this new age, this new era that's completely different. Suddenly, he's a husband. And then his sister Jenny walked in, and I saw her with her baby. And I've known Jenny since she was little, since she was in uh, Young Women's and, and all these things, since she was very good friends with one of my daughters. And there she was with her baby, and I thought, wow, when did this all happen? <laughs> my goodness, you know, I mean, I know when it happened. I remember going uh, and celebrating with Jenny, you know, when she got married. But it just seems like it was the blink of an eye, and I thought, they've kind of moved from if, if level one, if we were to look at it, simplify it as levels, level one being when you're a kid or even a teenager, and then you have a major life event or you just, you know, you're in your 20s, you're taking care of yourself, you have your own place, you're paying your own rent, that's kind of level two. And uh, as well as having kids and raising a family, that's all level two. And we've been in level two forever. But as I looked and realized that here were all these young people I knew as youth, and there they were with spouses or children or schooling, careers, whatever they were taking on. I'm not on that level anymore. I've got a 17-year-old left, but I'm pretty darn close to empty nesting. Nobody looks at my family and says, look at that cute young family. That has not happened for a long time. So I think that might put me on level three. I think, and I was kind of, I know this might sound crazy, but I was thinking this all through in my head. And then a brother from our ward came in, uh, whom I just love. He is one of the smartest men I've ever met and just an all around good guy. And he, I 
not sure exactly how old he is, but he does have a son in our ward who's my age. And so I know he's quite a bit older. And maybe that's level four. Maybe that's that last level. But it was kind of funny for me realizing, gosh, I've moved into this new, different era. I I definitely don't have this young family anymore that I used to have. And how crazy it is that kids that I knew as level one, here they were in level two. And I'm I'm not in level four yet, where this other friend of mine is uh, who came in. But it got me to thinking about what is my responsibility in this era that I'm in. And maybe levels are silly and maybe it's an oversimplification, but I was really pondering it. What is my role now in people's lives? And I think it's to support those people with young families. And it's to talk them through what they're going through. And, uh, you know, to mourn with them when they're mourning and to celebrate with them. And to kind of give them any bits of wisdom we've picked up along the way. And then talking to our friends sort of in that next phase, which is the phase my parents are in as well, that level four, uh, all the wisdom that they have. And what a blessing it is to learn from people who have learned from experience and to share our experiences with those who need it. What a blessing it is to see dear friends, these kids that we helped you know, working with them in young men's and young women's and through all these things for them to progress. I... I think I get that tiniest little sliver of how Heavenly Father must feel when he sees us progressing, because my love for Mason and for Jenny and for my own children and my love for the people in level four, for my parents and the the older people in our ward, it's just so overwhelming. I love seeing people progress. I'm so grateful to be in the stage that I'm in. I was watching some of the young couples as they were wrestling little uh, toddlers. And I just loved it. And it made me so happy. And it made me so happy that I wasn't doing it anymore. And I loved it when I was doing it. But it's a different time for me now. What a blessing it is to be alive on this beautiful earth. I'm so grateful for all the different phases and stages in life. I'm grateful for a loving Heavenly Father. And it's kind of fun. (laughs) It's a fun ride this life. And it's fun to see others and all of this progression. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day life. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in again. We really appreciate it. If you enjoy the show and think of someone who might lift them up, if you could share it with them, we'd really appreciate it. It's really easy to kind of just share it on social media or wherever. And then also, of course, if you could leave us a five-star review, we would be so very grateful. Uh, We're up to over 400 reviews now and uh, still have our 4.5 out of 5 rating, which is pretty fantastic. Well, I think that's about all we got for you this week. So until we meet again, there is a great big beautiful world out there. Go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 